Hello, and welcome to the WorkWell podcast. The World Health Organization has identified the workplace as a priority area for health promotion. Why then does the word work have such a negative and unhealthy connotation for so many people? Think about it. We spend so much of our adult lives at work. Why should it be in a role or in an environment that doesn't support our health and well-being? My name is Brian Crook, and I'm on a mission to make workplaces more positive places to be and to make our working day as healthy and productive as possible. Join me on the Work Well podcast as I interview workplace well-being thought leaders and industry professionals to discuss how employers, employees, and entrepreneurs can lead the way by creating and sustaining the healthy, safe, and well workplaces of the future. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the WorkWell podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with AEJ Products, who are leading the way in ergonomic and active workplace furniture solutions. Today on the podcast, I'm delighted to welcome Tom James. Tom is a senior leader in the Irish Civil Service. He worked for the Revenue Commissioners for 19 years in various roles, including representing Ireland at EU level and a number of senior operational leadership positions. Tom also chaired Revenue's National Wellbeing Network before moving to the Department of Health in June 2021 to take up the role as the head of Healthy Ireland. Tom is a really great example of someone who has changed the direction of their career. He started out with a degree in computer science, as we'll hear. He received an incredible education and experience with the revenue commissioners. He took postgrad in workplace wellness from Tangent in Trinity College. And now he finds himself as the head of Healthy Ireland. If you think you can or you can't, you're right. Sit back and enjoy my conversation with Tom James. Tom, hello and welcome to the WorkWell podcast. Thanks very much, Brian. It's great to be here. How are you? How are you keeping? All good. All good. Busy and still adjusting to what's a relatively new role. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Yes. So, well, Happy New Year, first of all. Bring us up to speed because you were you're appointed the head of Healthy Ireland about six months ago now at this stage. So tell us how that's going and, and how you're finding the new role. Yeah, so I moved over to Healthy Ireland in June of last year. You know, it's a bit of a dream job, really, to get an opportunity to work on something that's so kind of close to my own beliefs and my values and kind of gives me a real sense of purpose. The team have been great. The colleagues have been great. But I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a difficult adjustment. I spent 19 years working in revenue. It was a very, very different environment. And also having to do that transition and onboard in an online world, it's not without its challenges. So like I could tell you it's been absolutely <laughs> perfect and all, but I'd be lying. There's been some challenges, but look, overall, it's it's been really, really good. Excellent. Yeah. And you know, I love hearing the kind of different career journeys of quite a few podcast guests have had really interesting career journeys. You're certainly up there as well. You and full disclosure for all the listeners, we we know each other for over 20 years here. We actually, we did the same undergrad year ahead of me there, but you've got an undergrad in computer science, went straight into the revenue commissioners. You worked there for 19 years. You've got a master's in tax. You did a postgrad in workplace wellness at Trinity. So our paths crossed again there. Now you're six months into the, the head of Healthy Ireland. Like that is a really 
interesting career journey and something I don't think would have been possible maybe even 10 or 15 years ago. No, no, it wouldn't. As you said, I finished up in DCU in May 2002 and two weeks later I started in revenue on the graduate program and not really sure where that was going to lead me. It was the civil service. It was a good job and I, I thought I'd figure out what I wanted to do. Brilliant place to work. 19 fantastic years. Really supportive of professional and personal development. So I don't have a master's in tax. I have a master's in economics and I have an under I have another undergraduate degree in tax, just in case anyone ever says that I'm <laughs> taking credit for things I don't have. And obviously then the postgrad in Trinity last year. So I mean I worked in policy. I did a lot of EU work in my early days, project management, and then into senior leadership kind of operational roles over the past 10 years. And just a huge variety of roles like revenue has about 7,000 employees and is nationwide and I just had an opportunity to kind of grow into those roles and got huge support from mentors along the way not a typical kind of where how did you end up then on the well-being side I suppose that like everything else there's almost like a, a sequence of events that were just happened the way they did I started to get interested in well-being from my own viewpoint just in terms of my own health a couple of things that kind of came up and I started looking at that and then I started to get involved a little bit with the workplace well-being side in revenue. And then the course in Trinity came up and no idea really why I was doing it or where it was going to take me. Just felt like the right fit at the time. And obviously then it really did stand to me because the opportunity came up. So we have mobility within the civil service at senior level, which again, wasn't there 10, 15 years ago. So they advertise a certain number of posts across the civil service. This one came up, Head of Healthy Ireland. I knew about what Healthy Ireland were doing and I just thought I'm going to have to apply for that. It was a big decision to jump from the area where you've grown up. Basically, I grew up with the organization in revenue. So it was a big decision. Yeah, just that kind of domino effect. You know, you start down one road, you don't really know where it's going to lead. Very interesting. You probably initially signed up with the civil service because if you're graduating in 2002, I guess the dot-com bubble had burst. I remember a well coming a year later, there was challenging times to try and find an opportunity in IT. But as it turns out, that's you know what has its kind of fate for you has led you to this position now today. And I'm guessing you're kind of hinting at it there that when you when you signed up to the the postgrad in, in workplace wellness at Trinity, you weren't really looking at, at it as a stepping stone to Healthy Ireland. No. It was perhaps more of a what could you do for your own colleagues internally as revenue. Yeah, 100%. There was no thought of moving. Like I couldn't have possibly known there would have ever been this opportunity. So I wanted to get involved more on the workplace wellbeing side. And I wanted to see what the, I suppose, the evidence base behind what can be considered, you know, this better than anybody. It is often seen as a fluffy area. So I thought if I went and did the course in Trinity, I might be able to bring a bit of that back then to the workplace and come readily prepared with a bit more hard evidence for things because I think it's improved an awful lot but certainly even two years ago there was a lot of people thinking these are nice to have fluffy kind of mm -hmm. you know fruit baskets and, and what you what you always call the random acts of well-being or random acts of wellness yeah but thankfully things have moved on a lot since then they have indeed and actually they've moved on a lot and very interesting in the role you're in now they've held the Ireland just before Christmas there announced details of the, the healthy workplace framework. It's something that's been in, in the pipeline for quite some time. I know it's the very early days of it, but can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, so I mean, it was brilliant to get it published there just before Christmas. There was a lot of work went into this. Our colleagues in the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment, and also our colleagues in the Institute of Public Health, who I suppose brought the kind of academic evidence-based rigor behind it. The framework is out there for people to go and have a look at. It's aimed at employers of all sizes. It's for the public and private sector. It's a government of Ireland initiative in terms of putting it out there. So there's about, I think there's seven specific objectives in it for I suppose that the government side and particularly us in Healthy Ireland about where we want to take this. There's a couple of case studies in there of a large company, an SME, an NGO and a public sector body as well. And that actually gets into the detail of what they've done within their own workplaces, which, again, is useful resource for people. I think maybe where, you know, if you're an SME or you're kind of new to this area, there's a five step plan for how to develop a workplace wellbeing program. And, and these are all things that you'll be very familiar with. Talks about senior leadership support, assessing staff needs, planning, implementing, evaluating and improving all those words, which I think make up your own step plan that, that you That's developed right. a number of years <laughs> ago. There's a lot more work to be done in this area. This is kind of on the start for us. We're looking at developing an implementation plan over the coming months and putting out more resources for people. So this is very much a work in progress, but a huge first step. It's great to see this happen in Ireland because I think other there are some other jurisdictions which I often reference. They have maybe, let's say, national the National Standard of Canada has psychological health and well-being standard in place. Australia has very kind of strict legislation in this area, the management standards in the UK. So it's great to see us here in Ireland, you know, getting onto the park anyway with this. It's, it's a fantastic first step. And I think the case studies are an excellent resource. One of the questions I get asked the most and actually why my own course can be quite popular is people like to see what's going on in other organizations. Quite often it's one person or it's a very small team in an organization that are trying to bring in the well-being program, bring in the well-being interventions, and they haven't done it before. So if they can find out what has happened in other organizations and get some lessons learned, find out some mistakes made and where the successes have been, you know, that's just, it's a really great incentive kind of to get started and to, and to make progress. I think that's a really good point. The other thing, and this is something that I know you're quite passionate about as well, though, is, you know, how do we get employees to buy into these things? Because there's that kind of self-selection piece of somebody who's interested in fitness or interested in meditation, and they will naturally flock to, to initiatives. So to me, apart from the senior management buy-in, because that's key, if you don't have that, it's just not going to work. It's actually assessing the employee's needs is really important in terms of hard survey data or qualitative, whatever way you want to do it, but you need to find out what it is that people want. And the second kind of, I think, often unforgotten piece is workplace well-being is not just about initiatives and lunch and learns or whatever it is. It's actually about the whole culture in the organization, how people deal with each other, how people manage people, and to be able to have those open conversations at, with, with respect and with care and with understanding. Because, you know, it, I think I, I, it was it said to me one time, I have all the free stuff in the world in my job, but I, I don't get treated very well. So that doesn't really make much difference. So there's a, there's a culture piece there as well. Yeah. And I think you have to put that at the center of what you're doing in terms of workplace well-being initiative. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's why I, I try and encourage the use of a framework, any kind of framework. Like I certainly try and promote it on my own. I can see the Healthy Ireland framework, the Healthy Workplace framework is, is trying to do the same. And it's very clearly called out then as well in uh, ISO 45003, the first global standard, if you like, for psychological health and well-being in the workplace. And that clearly says it's you know the organizational factors 
So those social factors at work that you're talking about, how critical they can be and the relationships that work. So it's, you know, it's a long, long, long way from the, the bowl of fruit or the yoga class, which are all really nice interventions. But if you, if you haven't got the social factors right, the relationship, the culture, as you say, well, you're, you're kind of wasting your time and you're probably actually just annoying people more by giving them a, a free mindfulness app if they're overworked, too much on their place, terrible relationships at work. So if you can tackle them, nip them in the bud with some kind of a framework, that's exactly what we're doing here with these kind of frameworks, promoting these. You've definitely been busy as well as the, the Healthy Workplace Framework, that announcement. There was also the the healthy, the annual survey, the Healthy Art. Now, I skipped the year, I think, because of the pandemic, but it was back kind of again late last year that the survey results were announced. And any details on that? I haven't gone through the full thing myself. I was at the launch you know, we heard from the, the Ipsos uh, MRBI. Any kind of just headline items to, to bring us up to speed on there? Yeah, there's a couple of things that kind of stick out for me. I'm supposed to say we did. There was a year it wasn't possible to do it in 2020 because of like the unexpected pandemic and lockdown, et cetera. So we moved working with Ipsos MRBI who do it on our behalf. It's a phone survey, basically. So we survey over 7,000 people, which is a very large statistical sample in terms of being representative of the population. And there's some really interesting things in there. I wouldn't have time to get into them all, but two in particular. One of them is that over 30% of people said they felt their mental health had disimproved in the period in question. So I think there's some pent up issues there potentially. And obviously with the uncertainty around where we're at with COVID, et cetera, that's something that will need to be watched. From my own kind of Healthy Ireland viewpoint in terms of what difference can we make in our team, 90% of the respondents said that they wanted to make at least one change to improve their, their health and well-being. So that's a really positive statistic because yeah. we often get told, oh, nobody wants to do this or it's too hard or whatever. So our job in Healthy Ireland is we, we want to become the, I suppose, the dedicated source of information for people in relation to their health and well-being as, as a trusted source. It's our job to empower people to make better decisions. And with 71% of all deaths in the world, from non-communicable diseases and 80% of those actually capable of being prevented, actually prevented by changing your lifestyle. It's hugely kind of, I suppose, empowering to see that such a large percentage of the population are looking to do something. And then the question is, well, how best can we empower them to do that? Very good. Yeah, no, that's absolutely, it's a positive sign, isn't it? I see that reflected as well in workplaces. The employees, I think, kind of have a lot of power in this regard. They are voting with their feet. They're joining employers and they're questioning their current employers on, you know, do you genuinely care about my health and well-being here? And if you don't, well, I'm going to look elsewhere. So employers, some are arguably are being forced into the position, but I think some are just, they're quite open about it and they, they genuinely want the best for their people. They're, they're really looking at this properly and trying to provide a dedicated and proper health and well-being program and, and a strategy that, again, is, is, is a lot more than just the fruit bowls. So great to see that reflected in, in the broader society as well, kind of people voting with their feet. And then if we have Healthy Ireland now with all the kind of supports in the background, you know, all important educational piece, certainly from the workplace with the workplace framework there as well for people to look at. I think that's a really excellent resource for people to go to. Yeah. And it's, you know, the tricky part for us is how do we speak to the masses? Because every population is diverse. Every community is different. So that's one of the challenges that we have. And, and I suppose that's why you'll see some more targeted kind of behavioral 
nudge theory that kind of thing going on over the next coming years and what we try and do is like citizen engagement is a huge part of what we do but we have to wrap around health and well-being initiatives then around that because no good just putting the, the message out there and, and I think a good example of that would be with our new healthy communities program which was launched in October last year we're funding the hiring of 19 community food and nutrition officers in each of those 19 communities there's some funding as well for what we call the community enhancement scheme and it's one of the local authorities is putting in community kitchens where these people will be able to engage and teach people because people from lower socioeconomic areas tend to have more non-communicable diseases, tend to be issues with obesity and, and, and being overweight. So, it you know, we put the messages out there, but then we try and support with targeted interventions as well. And I think it's it's a combination of those two things. And you could think about that in terms of the workplace as well. So like you have a message, but then you also wrap initiatives around it to kind of get people involved and take it off the page of a message and become something real that they can kind of buy into. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I saw the launch of Healthy Communities as well. I didn't have the, the finer detail. But again, that's another fantastic initiative. So you've got the education piece, you've got all the statistics, but now you're, you're backing that up, as you say, with some supports then out there in the community. That ties in just so nicely with, you know, with my own Parkish project, the social enterprise and I actually use a lot of where I can get the Healthy Ireland data, which really informs my kind of decision making, if you like, and the promotion of what I'm doing. And I always check this updated statistics every year to see, well, how well are we doing or, or maybe not against the national physical activity standards. So that informs everything I do and, and the community work that we do in that regard as well. So, yeah, great to see all this happening. Hey, everyone. A really quick note to tell you about our online learning hub, the Work Well Institute. If you're enjoying the episode today and are interested in learning more about well-being and work, then check out the courses we have on offer at workwellinstitute.org. You'll find programs for you and your colleagues on managing stress, how to boost energy, well-being champion training, and our flagship program for well-being leaders called Developing a Workplace Wellness Program That Lasts. There's a free preview available for all of the courses at workwellinstitute.org. Now, back to our conversation. There's three major launches at least, and we're probably missing a couple just in your short enough time already. Anything else in the pipeline? What can we expect from Healthy Ireland over the next 12 months or so? There's an awful lot on the agenda. And, and I would like to say, like, I can't come in and, and take credit for this. I honestly <laughs> just, I rode in in the middle there, of the there, year. There were for the three launches. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, <laughs> like the, te- the team are excellent. And we've got great working relationships with the HSC, with the local authorities, with Sport Ireland, all our strategic partners. So, I mean, in 2022, we have our Healthy Ireland Strategic Action Plan, which was published in May of last year, and it runs out to 2025. So, there's lots of deliverables in that in terms of kind of a couple of key ones for this year, we have to do a midterm review of the obesity policy and action plan so that the work on that is ongoing. And we'll obviously publish that the national physical activity plan is due for a refresh. So the team are currently working with our strategic partners and stakeholders to get input into that. And we'll be looking at a new national physical activity plan, NPAP, as we call it, before the end of, of, of 2022. Oh, very good. Yeah. Healthy communities will be our first 12 months. So like we're really interested to see how that works. And Minister Donnelly was very clear at the launch that we need to show that it works. We're wrapping an evidence kind of based framework around trying to evaluate moving the dial in terms of health and well-being indicators is a slow process so like you're not going to get 
immediate bang for your buck. But we'd like to see kind of some trends in the right direction. So that, that's a key part of what we're trying to do as well. And is that so 19 communities? And if that, if that is working well, is will that be rolled out to further communities? Well, I mean, that's a question for the, for the government and, <laughs> and the funders. But Minister Donnelly at the launch did say that he saw this as a potential game changer. And that if we can show that it works, that there's definitely possibilities in the future, because obviously, you know, we went into 19 communities and and they were chosen, but there are other communities who could benefit from the kind of initiatives we're putting in there. So that's definitely, it's on the radar. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I'm I'm guessing with all these kind of these very kind of different projects, is it possible to say have a typical day? As the head of Healthy Ireland, not, not really. Describe a typical day, no, <laughs> not really. Because my team, like I have policy leads for physical activity, obesity, nutrition, sexual health, the Healthy Communities Program, and that's just the name, but a few. So you know, my leadership style, which I learned the hard way from, I wasn't very good at it when I started all those <laughs> years ago, and I tried to get involved in everything, is to empower people and be comfortable with not knowing the detail of everything, and and let them get on with it, like. The people on my team know far more about the granularity and the detail than I ever will. And that's the only way it could work. So my job is really to, to provide kind of a bit of strategic direction, try and help people out and, and get involved in some of the stakeholder engagement pieces as well. So good relationships, as I said, with the HSC and Sport Ireland. And I, I made a kind of conscious decision to make sure that I, I built those relationships with our partners because it's, it's really, really important in what we do. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. You kind of touched on this, right? But I certainly noticed, and I'm sure, I know you did as well. Like, let's say we're, we're running a well-being intervention in the workplace. It's typically the people that are already fit and healthy that will maybe come along to the healthy talk or take part in the class, whatever it might be. And it's it, it's the same out in the community in the broader in society. You touched on the nudge theory. There is any other suggestions or advice to try and encourage people that. You know, those people who maybe need to get off the couch that little bit more than others. Any thoughts or suggestions in, in that area? If you're talking about design and initiatives, you need to understand the needs of the people who you're trying to get involved. If you're asking me kind of for, if I could give one piece of advice to the average person who knows they want to do something, but they're not really sure what it is, it starts small, you know? So like nobody's talking about, you know, going to run a marathon or do an Ironman competition or something like that. You would know from your conversations with people like Niall Miner and all, actually small changes can make a huge difference. So if you move more, if you get out more, if you walk, like start with walking, like running is not for, I'm, I'm an avid runner, as you know, but it's not for everybody. So like my advice is start with small things. We also found that if you buddy up with somebody, kind of make yourself accountable to each other. So maybe it's and make short-term specific goals. I'm going to walk for 30 minutes every day on my lunch break for the next four weeks. And I'm going to do it with you, Brian, and we're going to meet down at the canal and we're going to do that as opposed to, I want to do more. If, if you're not specific, it's very easy to just kind of go and, and stay where you are. But you, there's huge physical health benefits. You can't be walking now like really slow. You have to, you have to try and get the heart rate going. But there's huge physical benefits in terms of, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, you know, not all the non-communicable diseases, physical activity is like a magic pill that's there for everyone to use. And you will hear Dr. Mark Rowe, who you'd be very familiar with, talking about lifestyle as a medicine. Exactly. I'm actually studying in the Royal College of Surgeons at the moment. I'm a bit of a glutton for punishment. I'm doing a postgrad in positive health. And that's what that's all about, is about positive health and positive psychology and the impact it will have on your physical and mental health. So start small, 
be specific and try and buddy up with somebody. That they'd be my kind of tips. Nice one. Yeah, no, really, really good advice there. And Dr. Mark Rowe, he said, and many others have said as well, like if exercise was a pill, it would be the most prescribed medicine on the planet because of all the, the health benefits you can get from it. And again, someone else you mentioned, so Professor Niall Moyna, when, when he was on, when I did a webinar with him, if you remember that one, the, the incredible statistics he, he showed for, it was a group of people who walked for 10 minutes a day just 10 minutes versus a group of people that did not. It was actually staggering the differences, the, the health outcomes, the differences in those two groups. So now you want to be doing a little bit more than that, but just shows you that 10 minutes of walking a day compared to doing nothing can make a huge difference. So absolutely start small and then take it from there. And the other thing then on the mental health side is, you'd be familiar with this, the theory of flow. So oh, yeah. when you, and this doesn't have to necessarily, but you do get it sometimes when you run, when you walk, when you're out with the dog, when you're in nature, when you dance, when you sing, <laughs> anything that you're not thinking about anything else, it's what positive psychology calls flow. That has huge benefits for your mental health as well. So one of the things that I've been trying to adopt from the course, like, I mean, I'm learning it so that I can use it in my work, but also for myself is that if you focus on three positive things every day, if you write down the end of the day, three positive things that happened today, you go to bed, you wake up the next day, and this has been replicated around the world in, in, in peer-reviewed studies, it actually improves your overall mental health. Just a small thing like that. We are naturally predisposed towards what's called a negative bias in psychology. So we do, and, and I'm totally guilty of this. I found that in the new job, I was thinking about all the things I wasn't getting done as opposed yeah. to focusing on all the things I was. That's just a personal tip I'd have, but it is backed by, by evidence-based as well. Is try and focus on the positives and the things you can control and celebrate the wins, no matter how small they are. Today was a good day because I helped somebody out and work. Today was a good day because I finished that report. Today was a good day because I spent time with my family or I went for a walk. They're all positive things that you can control. Yeah, no, I really like that, Jay. I'm terribly guilty of that as well, concentrating on all the things I didn't get done today as opposed to all the things that I actually did get done. So uh, no, I really like that. That's some really good advice there. You clearly have a busy schedule here and you're kind of touched on a bit of running there, but how are you finding time for your own well-being given the busy schedule and home life and, and all of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say certainly the first couple of months in the job, I wasn't as as rigorous as I was with my own self-care. Just falling into habits and, and trying to do too much. Like, and, and it wasn't anyone in the job. It was me yeah. like putting unrealistic expectations on myself. But no, look, I'm pretty good. I don't view running as a chore. Running is my escape. It's where I get my flow. It's where I have some of my best creative thoughts even just pop into your head when you're out in, in, in the fresh air. Absolutely, yeah. I was big into yoga, but that slipped away a little bit because it went online and I didn't like it online and I haven't quite gotten back into it now that it's back in the studio. And I know that's something in terms of the WHO guidelines, resistance training and something you're very passionate about in Park Hit is just as important as cardiovascular exercise. So yoga also has the mental benefits. So that's something now I'm hoping to get back into. It's been hard to juggle new job, starting a college course and life as well. You know, it's, we're all a work in progress and, and I certainly don't profess to, you know, have all the answers or get it right all the time. But if you have the right intentions and, and you keep, you know, tomorrow is another day, you can go again tomorrow. Very good. Yeah. And something I speak about as well is if you do have, if you are exercising, if you go back to the definition of exercise, it's something that's planned, it's structured, 
it's repetitive and it's purposeful. So if you have all of those, rather than <laughs> you've possibly all been there in the gym fiddling around with a few machines and five or 10 minutes in the treadmill and pat ourselves on the back and go home. But if there's actually more of a purpose to what we're doing and it's planned and structured and repetitive, you can actually get more benefits. Is that something kind of the start of the year? Do you have some kind of a, like a running plan or something like that? Do you have any races you're targeting or anything like that? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that really keeps me going is planning for the next race. And, and that was something we lost during lockdown. So coming up now, the first quarter of this year, I trimmed 10 mile race and uh, Bohemian half marathon in March. So like those kind of mini goals keep you going to keep you motivated, especially on these cold January days. Uh, sometimes it's hard to get out, but if you have a goal in mind, it, it's really good. And again, the last time I did one of the half marathons, I finished 700 out of 1200 people. Not bad. So like, this is not super competitive yeah. stuff. It's really you and yourself and challenging yourself. So yeah, I, I find having those goals really keeps me going. But I think even if I got to the point where, I wasn't doing races. Some of my favorite days, I just go for a jog. I just go out for half an hour. I'm not saying I want to run this pace or that pace. And again, you need to find what your equivalent to that is because I hated running for years. So I'm the most unlikely person ever. But whatever your equivalent is, get out there, get out into nature, get the fresh air in your lungs and you feel the benefits. Yeah, great advice. Yeah, as much as is possible, try and find something that you enjoy. Doesn't mean you're always going to enjoy it, (laughs) but... Something that you enjoy more often than not, I would say. And having the back of your mind, you know, we should be doing some form of cardio, some form of resistance just to to meet those minimum guidelines. But yeah, where possible, something that you actually kind of enjoy. You don't you don't dread anyway. <laughs> Listen, Tom, you've been very generous with your time. One kind of final question for you. Crystal ball time here. Like any thoughts on what the future of work might look like and maybe even the future of, of workplace well-being? Any thoughts on that one? If I had the right answer to that now, <laughs> I'd be, you know, I'm not sure I'd be on your on your podcast <laughs> today. But uh, no, joking aside, I mean, look, this is just my personal opinion, not to be representative of anyone else or anything. But I think it's fair to say that the, you know, the forced for office workers, because you have to remember there's a whole cohort of workers who never stop going to work. My wife is, is one of them. For office workers, it's been a game changer working from home. I think blended working is the future. Personally, for me, five days a week working from home, it doesn't work that well, especially when I came to a new place and I miss the chats at the coffee machine, seeing people like there's a good cohort of people in the Department of Health I've never even met, a very large cohort, actually. I think there's a, and this is just what my ideal situation would look like, would be a blended form because I think it's fair to say commuting five days a week for people, you know, when that stopped, people realised how much better their work-life balance was, time for family, time for exercise, time for whatever it is, because you're cutting off this big chunk of the day when you're sitting on a bus or on a train or whatever. So I, I think there's scope there. And I think blended working will be the future. And obviously, depending on the sector, depending on the employer, there'd be varying degrees of that. Like, you know, some sectors probably require more collaboration in a room, creative work, for example. But I am a little bit, bored with the zooms and microsoft teams and all and i do look forward to when you know there's a little bit more in-person interaction it'll be a blended form in terms of workplace well-being i think as you said there's a huge demand for it now i actually think the pandemic has really focused people's minds as well about you know a lot of time for reflection i think people are much more aware of their work-life balance than they were before And I think there'll be a growing demand for employers to address that. And as I said, not just about the random acts of wellness, but actually around culture, 
around the asks of people. And of course, and this is mentioned in our framework, the right to disconnect and all is in the background there. So like there's a whole pile of stuff going on and all very positive, I think, in the long term. I agree with you 100%. It's, it feels like we're kind of on a, on a bit, there's a bit of a wave, like there's momentum, so much momentum building here. I know we've come from a very average start, if you like, but there's so much momentum going in the right direction. People are just generally more interested in health and well-being. The healthy workplace framework, organizations are getting involved properly as well. ISO 45003, we've got the code of practice. Uh, there's, there's, there's more legislation on the way. There's positive talk in government. You know, everything seems to be moving in the right direction. Let's keep everyone up on the surfboard and keep talking about it, publicizing it and promoting it as much as possible. Great. And I just encourage all your listeners to go and check out healthyireland.ie and see the resources that we have available there. And there's plenty of stuff around activity, minding your mood, eating healthy. It's all there for people to have a look at. Fantastic. Well, listen, I always use the Healthy Ireland resources. I always dip in and out of them. And in fact, there's actually, we didn't even mention it, but the excellent kind of part of the framework, wasn't it? The Healthy Ireland research on the workplace research, the kind of umbrella review might even link to that. So for anyone uh, workplace related, that might be worth checking out as well, as well as all the, the brand new kind of healthy workplace stuff. I'll have links to all of this in the show notes. So we'll, we'll make sure it's all well linked up. But listen, we're only really scratching the surface here, Tom. So I think we'll, we'll have to get you back in the future, maybe with yourself and, and Biddy O'Neill. We might go into the more detail on, on the framework itself when, when we've kind of fleshed it out a bit more. Yeah, happy to do that. Thanks for having me today, Brian. Pleasure. Listen, Tom, where should people go to find out more about you? Is it healthyireland.ie? Is that the best bet? I'm on LinkedIn. If people want to look me up. I'm not an avid poster. I tend to just like promote the things that we do, but I'm there. If people want to connect. I'm, I'm happy to do that. Fantastic. Listen, Tom, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Hi, everyone. It's Brian here again. A big thank you for listening right to the end of this episode of the WorkWell podcast. This podcast has been brought to you with thanks to our partners, AJ Products, who are leading the way in ergonomic and active workplace furniture solutions at ajproducts.ie. Original music that you're hearing right now was composed by my friend, Greg Clifford. You can check out the website, workwellpodcast.com, where you can access show notes for each episode and also find all our previous episodes. I would love if you could head over to iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. A reminder, you can head to workwellinstitute.org to check out the education programs that we have on offer. You're welcome to share this episode with your friends and colleagues so they too can discover and benefit from the content. And finally, if you have any suggestions for future topics you'd like to hear in the show, you can email me directly at brian at workwellpodcast.com. Remember to work well, stay safe, and I'll see you on the next episode.